All right, Jonathan, welcome back to another one. Rory, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How's things for you? I missed you on yeah. Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Adam was a, a, a very good replacement, but he, yeah, it's it's good to have you back, my man. Um, yeah. Obviously, today we're, we're Wednesday. We're going to, obviously, we're just doing this on, on, on Thursday for our Wednesday podcast. Again, we're, we're just a day over, but we're, we're going to make this a good one, hopefully. So, um, uh, funny, you made a comment on the app recently and it was some something along the lines of you know my crystal ball is worth you know x amount of money or yeah. whatever and you know we had a bit of a joke about it in the app and um it's not worth anything it's priceless <laughs> exactly exactly right and then funny enough after we recorded last wednesday's podcast we as we always do pre and post podcast we just have chats not about the podcast or anything else but just pure, just sitting there chatting. And we always say we should have recorded that. But then as soon as we got off the podcast, we kind of jumped onto another discussion and we said, you know what, let's carry this on into this Wednesday. And it's like how to use information in the right way to make, you know, investment decisions and how the, you know, how to understand the domino effect of, um, of certain repercussions of, you know, things that happen, especially within the yeah, bigger yeah. companies. And, you know, that led us to talking about a few things and I'll let you kind of take over from there, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we spoke about something that was a headline came across my screen that, you know, Maersk, the, you know, the shipping company, you've, you'll see them everywhere. You know, you'll see them in every shipping container, every lorry that goes past you. It'll just say Maersk on it, you know. And I seen the headline came past that they cut 10,000 jobs. You know, I've just got it in front of me again. Um, that They've cut 10,000 jobs as the shipping boom ends. You know, and a lot of people just look at that and be like, all right, whatever, fine. Yeah. But people have to understand, you know, what that means and what the implications of that are and what it even means further down the value chain. You know, some people might think, oh, I might short Maersk. And I'd be like, yeah, f- fair enough. That That's maybe not a bad idea. You know, you're, you're starting to pull something in. You need to do a bit of work, but great. You're now thinking and how to come up with an idea. But there's a lot more behind what that means. And it's not really, it's taking the trade idea out of it. Forget well, Forget about a trade. Let's think of how it actually affects markets. And that comes to the question I asked you as soon as you told me that when you when you actually had that come up and you told me about it. I said, "Well, what do you think, Rory, is going to what stocks are you know are going to be most impacted here?" And you go, yeah. "We kind of had to sit there and think about that for a minute, actually, and kind of like come come to the conclusion." And and what you come back with was 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 really good. And again, I, I don't mean to cut across you. I let you you continue, but kind of wanted to just make that point that. You know, it did take us kind of five, 10 minutes and we we're even texting each other later in that night, kind of going, oh, actually, this could be affected as well. And, you know, mm-hmm. and this is how you get your best trade ideas, I believe. Yeah, it is. It's disgusting with people as well. It's always good, you know, talking out loud. Sometimes when you're talking in your head, it sounds all too good and you just think you're too good for the game and you go <laughs> and you go and you go back to your day job. But yeah, yeah whatever works. But, <laughs> I Rory to tell you otherwise. Yeah, yeah but, but pe- people do wait. You know, people people are sitting on their screens and on computers home you know, they see Merce cut 10,000 jobs and they think, no, that's not good enough. I want to be told where to sell. I want to be told where to get in at this trade, where to buy. I want to be told everything. Unfortunately, you're never going to get that, trust me. You know, yeah. I haven't been around markets that long, but I've been around long enough to know that that just doesn't fucking happen. It's yeah. it's not even that I've been around long enough. I'm just not stupid enough to know that that doesn't happen. It's, it's very simple. Yeah. You, you know, and we've talked about it. So if you hear a headline like that, what does it mean? You know, so all it takes is two minutes to read through the article. And you're seeing, well, shipping price, you know, shipping rates across the world are just rapidly falling. So 
people are probably aware, some people maybe aren't, but there's actually a thing called shipping rates. You know, whenever you send a, a container, there's actually a tracker that tracks how much a container costs to go, go from maybe China to America, Europe to America, Europe to China. There's all these different rates. And if you pull up a chart, you'll be able to see it. And basically those rates have been declining. I think a normal rate pre-COVID was like, I, I want to say about $2,000, $3,000. During COVID, it was like up to $20,000. So you can imagine an increase tenfold. And you can understand why it wasn't as many, wasn't as much, um, or after COVID, sorry, it went up to like $20,000 because of the huge demand and supply chain issues. It was, it was crazy. And then obviously now we're just set, the dust is settling and we're way back down to that sort of two, 3,000 um, range, maybe up to about 4,000, but you get the point. And you have to ask, well, if the company like this, this are saying that the demand's drying up, they're the very, very, very first people at the beginning of the value chain. You know, before you order the good, before you get the good, before anything happens, these are the people that deliver the raw materials. These are the people that take it out of China. So they've obviously been told in January, February, March, maybe even into next summer, um, we haven't as many containers that need to go in. Maybe like a huge manufacturer in China who maybe, I don't know, sends 5,000 containers a week. They're maybe saying, yeah, next year we're only going to send 3,000 or we're only going to send 2,500. Demand's not there. But that company hasn't reported earnings. That company isn't saying that in their earnings report yet. But they've told Maersk that they don't need their services next summer. And now Maersk have came out and said, well, our demand's starting to, starting to slip. So you can take that and kind of fill in the blank beforehand and say, well, the very first production company must be starting to see demand slack off. Maersk are seeing demand, demand is starting to slack off. So what does that mean? Well, it could mean two things. It could mean supply chains are starting to tighten again, but I don't think they are. Or it could mean demand is maybe starting to fall. So you could maybe look at it on a retail sales perspective and think retail sales are going to start to fall again. Um, people aren't going to start buying. We could see a recession. And that's one of the ways you could really look at this. Sure. Yeah. And like, and from through just going back to what you said there, when when prices did go through the roof for, for containers coming in and so on, it's it's understanding straight away at that point, okay, so what businesses are going to be most affected by that? You know, there's always a winner and a loser in any major impact event. Um, and, and it's about kind of foreseeing that. You don't even have to foresee it. At the end of the day, you know what's happening. We all know what's happening, right? Which which companies are going to have be affected positively or negatively, right? Yeah. And the same again now, we're starting to get that data that things are slowing down. You know, straight away, we're going to know what businesses are going to going to be directly impacted by this slowdown and i think we we you, the first thing that you said to me is when i asked you, you know, what major stocks or what, what what's the biggest impact that what businesses will have the most the biggest impact with this happening now when that starts to filter down was like you know well, what about delivery companies you know what about dvd and all these other kind of you know, ups and you know that's the, 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 that's that's straight away right i mean yeah, th yeah. these are the first impacted because these are the guys that the middleman between you know the, the shipments and actually delivering to people's homes, right? Yeah, look, I mean, UPS, um, you know, um, and all the other big ones, I, I can't even get the three names out in that tired. UPS, you know, and the, the big ones as well, they obviously do a lot of international shipping and, or inter international freight and things, but it wouldn't be on the same level as Maersk. You know, they have huge, huge vessels that maybe take thousands of containers at a time. You know, they wouldn't do it in the volumes they do it on. As you yeah. said, before, the middleman, they sort of do the regional, local, maybe cross-country type of logistics. You know, so again, they're going to be the people that miss out on this, you know, because Mersk are probably passing it on to these guys and then these guys are, are distributing yeah. it out to them, yeah. Yeah. you know, into, into the other homes. So that's a company that you could look at and say, well, maybe are, are they going to start to see a decline? Is that the people that you're maybe going to look at? 
And you, then you have to ask yourself as well, you know, who who relies on, on people like UPS and and these other types of companies? Well, packaging companies might be one, you know, people who make the cardboard boxes, people who make the sellotape, people who make the bubble wrap, all that type of thing. That's going to be now not in as, uh, not in as high demand as it previously was. You know, if there was, I don't know, just say for simple numbers, if there was 100 boxes a day, you know, coming out of every UPS van, maybe now there's only 70 boxes coming out because there's less um, containers coming in from China. Yeah. And that less containers comes from the news that we've seen about Maersk. So if you're seeing less demand for parcels, then you have to think, well, UPS aren't going to order as many um, boxes or as many tapes and, or whatever it's going to be. So what company makes that? So you could look into that company and think, well, that company then is going to be affected also. Absolutely. And you know, I'll always go back to that um, visual image you gave me when you said you were in the shower and you were looking outside the window and uh, you saw the the cranes uh, outside and, you know, directly that just got you thinking and, and a big part of training, right? It's you have to immerse yourself. It doesn't matter if it's you're trading stocks or Forex or, or, or any other market in, in the world, you have to immerse yourself in a way. So like I'll, I will leave my desk and I, I go for a walk and in that walk, I'm just thinking about what was happening in the markets. And I'm trying to like, because when you're sitting in front of the markets, right, you're seeing things happen in real time live and everything else. And you're trying to like predict, you know, not even predict, but like um, you're trying to gauge the reason behind some of the moves in the market and so on. Go for a walk. And all of a sudden, then, you know, you're you're still thinking about it and you, yeah, you're thinking yeah. slightly differently because you're not looking at it and you're able to like you're, you're computing it in your brain without even realizing it and and immersing yourself in the markets in, in whatever way that is will just directly impact your bias and give you straight away such a better consistency in your trading just by like and you know what I, I might be away from it from two weeks and it's funny because I'll be away from the markets for two weeks or loads of things going on let's say and i'll come back to it and it'll probably take me three or four days and all of a sudden i'm back in the zone again do you know that kind of way like and 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 and, but when you're not doing it and you come straight back to it you feel like a million miles away and almost like you 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 know you all of a sudden you have to get back into the that zone again and you need to start feeding yourself the information of what's going on around you to start making them right decisions again yeah Uh, you know big part of my trading anyway is certainly sentiment based and obviously it's more bit fund- fundamental and then then obviously technical after that but it all starts with the bias and that all starts with my own thinking from the information that i'm you know re- getting from, from from different sources you know yeah, yeah exactly and that's the way you have to think you know so you're saying you have to look at these competitors whether it's fedex ups you know united parcel service look at all these different competitors and run through and i think come back to the point where you said you know, but me in the shower looking out at the cranes. You know, I always remember in London, you were just looking out over the skyline and you always heard of this, you know, you always heard of people saying, oh, the housing market's going to go down and things like that. And I was like, it's, it's, it's never going to go down in London. London seems like a great place to invest. You open the blinds, you look out the window, there's a new crane there, there's a new crane here, there's a new crane just about to be, you know, erected over the road and all these building sites and everything's buzzing and, and you're like, is yeah. there really a crisis going on here? Yeah. The data says something, but yeah. Look out your window. It's it's not fucking there. It's, it's, it's so yeah. clear to see. Just on that, just on that, it's so clear to see. Like I, I remember going through. We've I've been through a few recessions at this stage, Rory. Right, yeah. and I can't tell you that some of these big buzzing uh, industrial estates did become dead zones. Yeah. You know, you you can drive through them, and you know, there's there's this half built 
uh, offices, office buildings and all those kind of things going on. Like you can tell what's around you and what's going on around you by just visually seeing what's around you, you know, you know, exactly. You know, people always say to me, oh, I don't know about London and things don't look safe. And I says, look, these these people wouldn't be pumping billions into a project if if they didn't think it was going to pay off, you know. And then you always hear people say, oh, look what happened 2006, 2007. And I was like, that's that was completely different. That's something that will never happen again. Well, hopefully not, but, you know, should never happen again. And I don't think you can ever look at the world and think and hope for that to happen again. You know, if you live every single trade week or day or year thinking that that's going to happen again, you know, you're in for a long fucking journey. You know, like, but it's a cycle, and every time we yeah. do get to that bottom of the cycle, it's the the it's these bottom feeders, these these vulture funds that come in and 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 knowing that they're getting a good price and good value, and you know we'll, we'll just you know then it comes back again, it comes full circle, you know, but all of a sudden, you know that's why rents are going up and everything else has gone up is because it's you know it's foreign investment, you know. Yeah, I I seen as well. There was a survey. I can't remember who it was done by. Was it maybe done? I don't know if it was done by Bloomberg or Bloomberg reported on it, but they done a survey and said that if inflation goes up 5% and wages are up 40% or 30%, people still think they're, they're worse off. So yeah. people, people still think in their head that they're worse off. Because you go to the shop and you see a, a pan of bread that's gone up 50p or yeah, you know, but, milk's but, gone up, you know, whatever else. It's... But your wages, you know, have went from you know, 100 to 130 or 30 to 33, you know, or 30 to 39. But that's the cycle you think it's going to go up anyway, right? We all think that our wage is going to go yeah. up time because that's just what should happen. We don't realize that the purchasing that we're, you know, the, the stuff that we're buying should be going up at the same at the same rate. Yeah. And I mean, I, I kind of got my eyes opened in the last few days as well is that, you know, I was coming to think about it. I was like, there's not that, strictly speaking, there's not that many people in the world that actually give a shit about prices. People just pay for it. People just shut up and, and they just pay for it and they just keep going, sure. you know? And I think sometimes you have to be real with yourself and say, yeah, inflation's bad and I don't want to spend, but just because you don't want to spend doesn't mean that the rest of the world isn't going to spend. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's not just about what you think, but it's what other people think. Absolutely. A lot, a lot of people think, well, I'm not spending this. You, you know, I, I'm not spending this month, so inflation's going to come down. Well, <laughs> well, well, guess what? <laughs> it really doesn't give a shit what you're I'm going to wait till that slice yeah. of bread comes down back to yeah. one you know yeah, or, yeah. or people think you know i've I've been out every night this this month you know i've been spending five six hundred quid every every weekend inflation's going to be through the roof well, well guess what that's not a lot you know compared to what the inflation basket's worth you know it's worth trillions yeah you know so yeah. i think you always have to take yourself out of it and, and, and you know have a good look around and, and see what's really happening too um just, just talking about inflation rory i know we kind of had it we touched upon it as well just before the podcast we we're talking about obviously uh china and japan as well and their economies and the effects that that's having on the markets and so on maybe you could kind of talk us through a bit about that as well yeah i mean we see in japan at the minute you know there's a huge problem with inflation i mean it's not it's not actually that much lower than ours but it's, it's still quite you know it's a big deal for them considering japan has an awful time trying to get inflation into the markets for a while and, you know, we see that USDJPY is just so fucking low at the minute. I mean, it's what well, USDJPY is so high. Sorry, Japanese yen so low. Yeah. You know, it's up, what is it, are we at 152 now? Are we, are we at it? Are we past it? Uh, we're around that level anyway. Earlier on today. And what we're seeing there is between China and Japan. So just for a bit of context, China is Japan's largest trading partner and Japan is China's second largest trading partner. So they basically rely on each other and they don't have a trade 
basically the trade deficit between them is zero. So basically the balance of trade is zero. And what it means is that the amount of goods that China exports to Japan, Japan kind of exports back to China, if that makes sense. You know, they kind of help each other out. And, that, and that's a good thing. But the problem what we're seeing is that the Chinese yuan is so high and the Japanese yen is so low, is that it's creating a bit of a differential. So it's very, very cheap for China to go to Japan and buy stock, but it's really, really difficult for Japan to go to China and buy stock. And then you're starting to see a bit of friction there that, you know, the 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 two company the two countries necessarily don't want to to be doing that trade and the thing with China is, is that you know China's facing um a bit of deflation at the minute and really how do you cure that well they're buying they're buying things in for so cheap you know in in comparison in relative terms you know, they're buying things in a lot cheaper than they used to because their currency is so strong so for example something that cost a hundred dollars or a hundred Chinese yuan last month is maybe only costing 99 Chinese yuan this month because the exchange rates are, are fluctuating and that's causing deflation in the markets and China just can't seem to get out of that at the minute and Japan can't seem to get out of the inflation so one thing they might need to do is you know might be in the interest of both of them of the People's Bank of China as well as the Bank of Japan is maybe to manipulate interest rates and, and, and maybe move it higher or manipulate the currency pair and move it higher and lower respectively yeah, so China they're probably not, gonna... not gonna do that though, right? They've come out and pretty much said that they, they don't want to defend the level anymore and they're bond buying and so on, that that's that's their focus. Well, what they say and what they do could be two completely different things. I mean are like you... there, was, there was ever a time to to jump in for me when I was looking at uh dollar um just tank, I was like, this is the time that you know the BOJ should be jumping on this. You know, like if there's any time, any time to do it, it was then, you know, it was while there was a, you know, that, that fall off in, in the dollar. Personally, yeah. I'm like if I'm Bank of Japan, I'm sitting there analyst, I'm going, right, this is the time to go in because while the market is moving, let's, you know, jump on, let, people will jump on that bandwagon. Do you know that kind of way? It's, it, it's going to cost you less to jump in and, 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 and do that at that point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but if, if you're the Bank of Japan and, and dollars going down, then somebody's doing the hard work for you. And that's exactly. the way, and that's yeah. the way the Bank of Japan were thinking. They're thinking, well, what's the point of us getting involved if somebody's doing the hard work for us? Sure. And now that we've started to see dollar coming down, that was going on to my next point. But sure, Jonathan, you ruin the party, you know, and you take over. As you do, yeah. you know, um, seeing the dollar coming down, you know, in the last few last few days in the last week, that's kind of doing the work for Japan, and they're not going to maybe need to intervene as much. You know, but we're seeing that bit of a a stronger yen. We just might need to see that stronger yen fluctuating over into the um the Chinese yuan, you know, trying to find that. And if the Chinese yuan can maybe um take a step lower and if they can maybe look at them um, uh, manipulating the currency per lower, then again that might be something um helpful towards them. I, I don't see the yen I don't see the dollar yen bucking the trend, to be honest with you. I mean like it, it's still think it's gonna go up. I still think it's gonna go up, yeah. I mean GDP's and shit. I mean like like fundamentally like G- G- GDP in America is booming. No, no, in Japan. Oh, in Japan, yeah. I was going to say they're what five five point three percent or something. No, no, it's, Japan, it's it's in a hole or in a hole. I mean, it, fundamentally, I mean that there's nothing to, there's no reason for for price to go down whatsoever. Yeah, I just yeah. don't. I don't. There's, there's nothing. The only thing that that's going to stop dollar yen from continuing to rise is intervention. It's as simple as that. There's nothing. Like they're on their hands and knees at the moment. 
look, it, it's up to you what you take. You could take the long-term approach and say that it's going to go to 165, 175. That's fine. You could take that long-term approach and think. Well, I'm scared of my life. I won't go near it because I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, the BOJ to jump in and intervene. And then, you know, but, you know, I'll take some short-term positions for sure. But, you know, wary. Yeah, well, you know, as I said last week, you know, I know a guy that is long. USD, JPY, looking to target 165, 170. I mean, you can't rule it out. That's that's the scary thing about it. You know, you can't rule that out. I don't know. I think, look, look it, it, we're in a situation now at the moment where dollars tanked and it's, you know, and we're in that, you know, the dust settling period, you know, at, at this stage. And, and it's like, right, let's see what the big guys are going to start doing now. Where are they going to start moving the market? You know, where's the money going to start go, going into and that's where I'm at the moment. Like, I didn't even take a trade today because I'm just like, I want to see what is the next development, you know, that kind of way. I just don't, yeah. like, technically, you, we can take whatever you want from, from the markets, but fundamentally, it's what the Dixie is going to do next, you know, that kind of way. So, it, you know, that 104 level is holding at the moment. Will it continue to hold? Potentially. I, I mean, don't I don't know. <laughs> you know? So let, let's see what the big guys do and see what their decisions are. And then let's, you know, let's jump on the back of that. I mean, even if it even if it doesn't hold, it doesn't matter. That's the question I always ask. You know, there's always going to be a trade there somewhere. I think. Oh, not for sure. That's fine it, if it doesn't. But it means that change your bias and you know change your thinking and you know change your strategy almost. You know. Yeah, I, th I think as well you have to look at you know if if you look at the inflation report that came out last week or a few days ago, you know, seeing inflation moving lower, there's literally not one percent of a of a hike left in the Fed. So basically what they're saying is that there's literally less than a 1% chance that the Fed will hike again in this, well, in, in, in the whole cycle. Coming, you know, you know, after the first quarter, looking at there's a good potential they're going to start dropping them then. Yeah, they're thinking it's going to start to drop around the 1st of May. Yeah. That's going to be the first one. And that by the end of the year, we'll be back to 425. So they're saying that it's going to drop around, uh, you know, 100 basis points. I think that's mad. I, I do think that's completely mad, if if I'm honest. But the thing is, is what you have to remember, you know, if you look at, um, I'll maybe share it someday because it's quite an interesting topic if people are interested in, but it's the, you know, efficient market hypothesis, you know, where people think that, um, you know, markets are completely efficient and, and, and things like that. And if you take that kind of all information that's known in public at the minute, if the market's pricing in a 100 basis point drop over the next, I don't know, 12 months, if they don't live up to that, then that'll create a stronger dollar. So that's nearly what the market's pricing in for. The market are pricing in for, well, we just expect inflation to continue down to 2%, 1%, down to literally zero, so that interest rates will then have to be cut. But you have to ask, what if interest rates aren't cut? Because how many times did we say it earlier this year? And like, was it, you know, April, May time, June, you know, they were, they were due to cut in September and then they were due to cut in October. They were due to cut in November, December. And then it was pushed back to January. Now it's pushed back all the way to May. So that's been pushed back nearly 12 months. And that's just the cut. You know, the pivot's been pushed back by 12 months. So who's to say it's not going to be pushed back another 12 months? You know, and that's the thing you have to look. And what happened to the dollar when you pushed it back by 12 months? Well, we kind of, where did we figure that out? It was kind of June time, wasn't it? We figured out that there was definitely going to be no more cuts this year. And if we look at Dixie on sort of July, when it bottomed out around that 100, markets started to realize that the Fed aren't done. And well, that and we, that ran, we ran that all the way up to one of the but we said that the markets aren't done and the cuts definitely aren't coming this year. But on July, the market was pricing cuts at the end of the year. Yeah. But as that progressively got as 
as dollar progressively moved up, those cuts were being pushed further and further back. But it wasn't the dollar leading the cuts, it was the cuts leading the dollar. Yeah. And as yeah. they kept getting pushed back, the dollar kept going higher. Mm-hmm. And now we're just seeing the same thing where we're coming to that time where the cuts are being priced in because they're so cl- they're, they're very close around the corner. They're only a matter of months away. But if we see that being pushed further and further back, then that's when we'll see the stronger dollar upside. So that rally that we've seen in July, August, September in dollar hadn't anything to do with interest rate hikes. It was just to do with cuts being pushed back. You know, and, that, too- and that's something to remember. Absolutely, but it's two pronged. I mean, yeah. it the yes, interest rates are, are one side of it, but also there's a risk on appetite at the moment. Do you know that kind of way? Like people are moving their money to stocks again. You know, like well, well, yeah, of, of course. I mean, you know, we've seen interest rates. You know, yields for the ten years up as high as five percent. I mean, so many people are going to start buying fixed income products at that. You know, even um, even looking at sort of high grade corporate debt as well. You know, some of it was yielding eight nine percent. I mean, you'd be mad not to get involved in anything like that. You'd be absolutely mad, you know, not to. So people were getting involved in it. Since then, bonds started to rally. Um, rates started to drop. And then whenever the yields weren't attractive anymore, people just moved their money back into um, back into equities because the yields were so low. Yeah. You know, and it just makes perfect sense. But again, we could see a reversal. You know, who knows? That's the thing. Well, yeah. I mean, but you know, even in the ad today, I'm kind of like, I even said it, like it's, it's just one of those times it's kind of, let's 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 hold off and wait we're not going to get any much more going on tomorrow either i think we should see some some directional change come monday um at least some insights like i said i don't care if if, if we if we break 104 or, or we bounce from it i'm just looking for indicators do you know that kind of way yeah and i mean we've we've a lot of stuff coming up you know we have um obviously earnings are coming down then now so we'll be sort of seeing what the conclusion is from that yeah, so we're not going to really have any more meat, big catalysts like that into the rest of the year. You know, we do have FOMC minutes on Tuesday. That's something as well. The market are probably market's probably going to look out for. Again, next week is quite a busy, uh, quite a quiet week, you know, in terms of data. But then coming into the following week after that, you know, we start to see PCE data once again coming out. That's on the 30th of November, you know, so that's next Thursday, or the following Thursday. That should so, start at Christmas rally. Yeah, and that will be the start of the Santa rally, quite literally. 30th of November to, you know, 20th of December. Yeah. That'll, that'll be kind of the start of it if if it's around that is you never know we could see a bad christmas True. you know so i think there's a lot to think about over the coming but it's been a good but it's been a great year for trading like just to summarize the year in a whole it's been an awesome year to be a trader because markets have been so directional it's just been awesome you know it's it, it, it's any anyone that's and obviously listening in that is a trader i mean like just look back at the markets this year there's been some fantastic moves in the markets um you know it, it so much opportunity this year in the market and like I, I can go back a couple of years and i can't you can be sitting and looking at the charts and i will just go back to just trading simply off ranges just trying to find ranges to trade because it's like well, there's no not there's no real breakouts happening. We need to find, you know, we need to start making some percentages. What are we going to do? Let's start trading ranges, you know, and which is fine. And you can make good money off ranges, but there's nothing like a, a directional market to make some real money off. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Well, I think that's been a good one. I think on we've left we've left plenty <laughs> left plenty of questions for people. So yeah, jump in the yeah. app and ask. Yeah, absolutely. Jump in the app and work away. Yeah. Awesome, so, Rory. Thanks so much for right. that, buddy. No worries. Nice one. See you yeah. soon. Bye now.